Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PD Sports Podcast. Another week in the Premier League and another week of drama field. How are you, Damo? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, bit tired. It's been a bit weekend for us, personally. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's been great to be out, being up late watching Premier League football. And, uh, look, a lot of things have been happening over this weekend of uh, the sports world, especially Prem. Yeah, 100%. Just keeps on rolling and, you know, where else to start? But, again... Top of the table, two big results. Man City get a, a nice win, but we'll focus up on Arsenal first. We said a you know danger game potentially for for Arsenal here against Fulham. I was very much of Fulham were going to push Arsenal through the the motions, but Trossard steps up and goes, "No, nah, I'm here now. Uh, this is my spot. That false nine position really um, breaks a Premier League record of getting three assists for the first time ever as an away player." So they're just rolling, aren't they? They're just looking very good. They are very well drilled and very, very good at what they do. And Trossard just providing that extra dimension. We mentioned last episode he's going to be a very massive signing to give him that selection headache or um, you know, give him that, that extra little bit. If he can play up front, he can play on the left, play on the right, can even play in the 10. Yeah. Um, and you saw it there. You know, No Jesus, Eddie and Ketty is not 100%. So he comes well, to Trossard. has got 25 minutes as well. Yeah. Um, and Trossard is the... Uh, is the nine there? And then what do you do when Jesus is fit? Do you, do you bring him back in because of what he did the first half of the year? Or do you go with the four-man Trossard? It's the selection headache you really want in a Premier League uh, title flight. Yeah. Um, and good on Arsenal. I was in the same agreement as you. Fulham maybe would have given him a game. I think Fulham first half of the year would have been a little bit more difficult when they were really scoring goals for fun. Yeah. Um, this Fulham here seems a little bit more intent on just trying to cl- you know have a couple more clean sheets than normal because they're probably there yeah, about the mark up. Um, to you know, stay up comfortably. Um, so they don't really have too much to play for anymore, I don't think. They could sneak into the top seven, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, look, uh, I think full credit Arsenal, Man City being Man City, going to keep them honest, of course. Look, five points a gut. I what, 11 to play for both of them now? Yeah, I know, it's crazy. There's um, a lot, lot to play for and there's not a huge... You know, five points, City obviously not playing this week too, so that gives Arsenal an opportunity to go eight clear. But I want to focus up on what you've brought up there. With regards to shape, because Arsenal still you know, two all with Sporting in the Europa League, do they still attack that? We've spoken about that a lot with Liverpool in the past about when to and when not to attack. But I would be hesitant to change the shape because then, what do you do with Odegaard? Because he's already part of the four. Yeah. With the way he plays, as part of that midfield three, and he's obviously been unbelievable this season too. So, look, someone's going to have to miss out. Liverpool were never really in that position where someone's had to miss out, but I liken it to someone like Mares at City. Yeah. How there's always him or Foden, someone is going to have to miss out, but that's not the worst thing because there's games to be played still. Smith Rowe's coming back in as well, so I think if the conversation is, you know, no one's guaranteed a start, it might actually mean that, you know, whoever's in the form is the one that's going to play. And it, it might be that Martinelli being dropped once. Can't see Saka being the one that gets yeah. dropped, but you know if Jesus isn't scoring goals and Trossard's coming off the bench, what's to say that Jesus is the one to not start because they've now got the player that does what Jesus does? But I actually think Trossard's a bigger goal threat than Jesus anyway, so maybe that's the direct comparison there. And it's Trossard's coming in and now he's actually going to compete for that spot up front. So yeah. I think that's probably the bigger issue. and They're not going to rush Jesus back. It's still going to take three, four weeks for him to probably actually start properly. I agree. Um, what they'll do in the Europa League, I think, is... they would love, Don't get me wrong. They'd love to go through. 
But I actually think it's a game where you see Fabio Vieira jump into the four. I think Reese Nelson might get a game. Oh, yep. um, I think, uh, you know, yeah, if Jesus, Jesus, if he's fit enough to get 45 under his belt, might. Um, depends on what they want to do there. Uh, I just think it's one of those games where they'll go, look, we don't mind who plays. We don't mind if it's rotated. Because at the end of the day, if we get knocked out here, blessing the skies, we can focus on the league. Yeah. Great. Or we'll um, go through and it's another opportunity. It's exactly right. And they can get minutes into some of the legs that haven't been starting enough as well. I think Arteta will take it as the opportunity with five points clear with 11 to go. Um, we can't really afford to give City a sniff. He will rotate, I think, a fair bit, even yeah, though that same. tie's on the line. Yep, yeah, I'd agree with that too. I think just they're going to make Champions League regardless. Like, yes, you want a trophy, but the incentive of winning the Europa League really is... Champions League qualification, is it really worth it? Like, I'd rather get knocked out of it and finish second and say, okay, and walk away with no trophy, yeah. but at least say, you know, we're in the position to win the title. Because I think winning the Premier League means a lot more than winning the Europa League. I would agree. And um, I think if they stayed in the Europa League and the tightness became a fact that they lost the league that way, they'd be more upset than them probably yeah. dropping out and then finishing the second. league. Yeah. Um, it's a double-edged sword, though. I think uh, European success brings in um, players that would probably want to jump across. I think the Arsenal project would be fascinating for a player, to be fair. Um, we obviously, in previous podcasts last year, were saying it needs a certain type of player to fix Arsenal at the minute. Yeah. People that want to be there. Ted has done that. Just think that European success would then bring other players that maybe were a bit hesitant to go to go. Well, look, they fixed their issues. Or someone like Vlahovic, who yeah. was very vocal about going to Juve instead because yeah. Arsenal didn't have that process in place. Yeah, I think now, regardless of what happens, Europa League, they are a project that people are going to go to now. Like there's a, there's a vision, there's a way of playing, there's structure, there's stability, there's a lot of good things happening. Great point with the stability because that's the big one. I don't think people wanted to go knowing Arteta could be out the door yeah. at any point. Now 100%. that that's there, that stability's there, I think we'll see a lot of a lot more players look to go to Arsenal Football yeah. Club. And exciting time for them as well. Because why wouldn't you want to go to Arsenal? You know, huge club, history, London, money lifestyle like it does tick a lot of the boxes. a lot of boxes especially for those foreign players like how many times do you hear that players go to Chelsea or to Arsenal or whatever or to Spurs over some big clubs because of lifestyle because family actually makes a difference there so if you're you know you're up and coming player or you're an established player and you've got one of the biggest teams in England and in the capital city coming after you you're going to yeah. go yeah yeah. You know, am I going to go, you know, if you look at the table, am I going to go maybe to Man United or am I going to go to Newcastle? Like, especially Newcastle. Like, in, in order terrain. to go to Newcastle, if you're going up, yeah, going up to Tyneside, up, you know, in the in the far northeast, you're probably going to go to Arsenal. Like, because the money's not going to be drastic. Like, for a good player, the money, well, Newcastle are going to have to spend over and above. But that's the thing. Like, are you prepared to go and move up north versus being in the capital? Agreed. Where, and have your family set up in London, you're probably going to go with the latter because you're going to go, well, at least I'm going to play at a competitive team that's in the Champions League as potentially Newcastle won't even be in the Champions League. So I think Arsenal now, this is where they got to capitalise because they were in this position in 2016, whenever it was, when Leicester won the league. Yep. They didn't capitalise. They fell straight away. They ended up, they, they were de facto second because Spurs dropped off heaps. Yep. But when you finish second in the Premier League, you're probably expecting to be around the mark again. Yes, Liverpool and City then kicked up and went psycho mode for five years, but Arsenal just went and fell off. Like that was the end of that spin there. I can't. So in twenty, it's still under Arsene Wenger. It was right at the end of Wenger's cycle. Yeah. And that's when they could have either pulled the trigger or backed him again, which didn't happen. And here they are. They're here now. But uh, look, a lot of credit to Arsenal. 
got the stability in place. They've uh, got the team. They've got the pulling power, I believe, now. A lot of young talent, too. It's Ex- a young side. Exactly. And I figure they fit that same mould of going after that younger talent. Yeah. It could be huge for them. Um, and I think, look... It's very Liverpool-esque. Yeah. Getting Le- guys like Jesus and Zinchenko for us was like getting Mane and Salah and yeah. like the same type of players. You get them either from within the league or you're getting them from, you know, not the, the top, top levels. They're that one signing away. They're our Virgil. They're our Allison. Yeah. Not that I'm saying they need a centre-back and a goalkeeper, but the premium signing. They've yeah. not done that yet, which is a credit, which is the way Liverpool did it, and it takes time. And you've got to show something first. And this is the year of Arsenal showing something. Now it's if they need a midfielder, they could go and get a Caicedo, even yeah. though they were probably going to get him in January anyway. But they'd probably do better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, you, you give them this in six months ahead, that would have been in the Enzo Fernandez conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because that he yeah. then goes, well, Chelsea aren't going to be in the Champions League potentially. Yeah. Arsenal are, same city. Obviously, he had that decision to make, but the money there just wasn't there. But I'd say Arsenal now are in that. They, but they got to pick one person. They did it with Pepe once, yep. and it didn't work. They're not. They're kind of like Liverpool with regards to their transfers. They can't just. The owners aren't going to allow them to have an open checkbook like Chelsea and Newcastle. So for they for Arsenal, they got to get this one right because if they get it wrong, then it's panic stations because you've invested money into someone that's not going to work. Liverpool got it right. Identified Verge, identified Allison. Maybe one of them has to come from within the league. It's and uh, then again, I don't really know what they need at this point anyway. Like I think that other than the depth, that's so, it. And that's the thing. It's depth. Like uh, and to be fair, I don't think they'll get the next one wrong. I think any player that's any decent at football going into that Arsenal side, the way it's playing, yeah, we'll just tick along. I'm gonna tick along perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, look, it's it, it, you know when you talk about us getting Salah, for instance, you got to remember league reject. Yeah. Uh, from Chelsea goes to Roma looks okay but we identified the ability the talent and what we needed out of him to fit a role and that was perfect and I think Arsenal will do the same thing they'll sit there in the summer and they might sit there going maybe we need another six yeah. maybe he's probably one spot off the top of my head is maybe where they might look at it yeah. is why they're chasing Sacedo and they might go and turn around and go well actually who's come from out the league right is what they would have done yeah, or who's in the league and who's in the league that's going to jump in now if they wanted to they could go after a big big name yeah. Because they're in that position. But even like a Matias Nunes or something like that, Liverpool are, are interested in, you know, yeah. 50 million odd signing could be the missing piece. Like, but doesn't look like a, at the time of signing him. It's like, yep, solid squad player. But when you start putting those things in place, and Arteta's now really getting his team together too, he's had three years now of being able to actually put a team together. There's no, you know, hesitation to why it's gelling because. You know, it's his team, it's his philosophy, it's his style on this side. So, look, if you're Arsenal, we've spoken a lot about them over the last two weeks now. We'll, we'll move on. Um, but very, if you're in a great spot, take it and run. That's uh, it. I agree. Agree solely. And then look at City. They're obviously in second. Um, for them, the big thing for me is Champions League, what's going to happen there. Because they've actually got a tie on their hands against Leipzig. And Leipzig yeah. have a really good year. Um, in Germany as well. One three new overnight as well. Yep. Um, and with that too, if for me, it's what the City do. Now, City obviously start Foden mostly in the league and then in the Champions Mares. League, Mares And, uh, you know, they've got this great squad. I mentioned last podcast, defensively is the issue at the minute. This is the worst defensive side I've seen from City yep. under Pep. It's leaky. And it's not got the depth that it once had. Cancelo's still mind-boggling. Yep. But that's no, the side still no left back. They're playing Ake. Look, Ake does a job. He we'll does. Give him that. But he's not a man he's City not the left same. back. 
I think that's going to be their one issue if they get through this in the Champions League against Leipzig, which I expect them to do. I was actually very shocked that Haaland uh, started against yeah. Palace. Uh, but in saying that, um, I think if they get through Leipzig, that's a good thing for Arsenal because I don't think that back four is going to be able to cope on two yeah. different fronts at that Plus elite an level. FA Cup. FA Cup as well. If they get knocked out by Leipzig, which I think is a fair possibility, well, I think going Leipzig, to Germany, aren't they? Yeah, Leipzig at home. Yeah, different gravy. Uh, I I think if you're Arsenal, you'd rather City find a way to get through that tie. I think yep. this is one of those ties that way. City, uh, Pep you want out. City to keep playing, don't you? At I the think moment. Pep out thinks himself here, and they they get knocked out, and then I think that's a problem for Arsenal because then they realistically FA Cup whatever it is yeah. it is they don't care. Well, they got a big enough squad to cover the FA Cup anyway. They could make this to the final using and, a rotated team. With them going out that cha- out of Champions League, which could happen, that five-point gap instead of feeling like this big, which, you know, on the podcast I'm thinking it's like five-point gap, that feels like two. That yeah. feels tiny. And they still have to play each other. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the big one. If Arsenal can walk out of that game with a point even... At home. That's the key, I think. Oh, no, that's the no, Sorry, it's at um, Etihad. Sorry, not at home. It's at Etihad. Yeah, uh, home for City. Yeah, home for City. Yeah. So, look, if... If it's five at that point, so I'm we're anticipating that Arsenal are going to beat Crystal Palace this week. Crystal Palace have really struggled yeah. since the World Cup, haven't won a game yet. So anticipating an eight point gap for City, I want to keep this focus on on City here. You then play them, play Arsenal very soon to five points with like eight games to go. Yeah, we've seen City do some serious things. Hundred percent title's not over yet. Yeah, Arsenal, we've just spoken about lots to you know still unfold for them if City just put together a run it's going to test the mentality of everybody around them and that's the key for me that's I never want to write City off until mathematically they They, can't do it because all it needs is Grealish to go on a run to help Haaland or for Foden to do what he did against Newcastle last week and just pull something out like they've they've got or Gundogan like we saw last season yeah title on the line the last day of the season and it's buddy Gundogan of all people scoring a double yeah. to save the day like there's just goals we haven't seen the best of De Bruyne yet this year either early he looked quite good and he's gone through this long period of not you know dominating games like he has the this could, Pep could just go alright your time we're going to change the system tweak the system a little bit to get Kevin floating around a little bit more if that happens Imagine the service. Like, if you've just got De Bruyne sitting in those pockets and he's got Harlan going one way, he's got Grealish coming in, he's got Foden zipping across. It's a scary thing, and that's where we really expected City to run away with the league this year, and I'm really glad Arsenal uh, put where a fight they are. To them. Yeah, because uh, we haven't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're meant to be the side that, you know, stood toe-to-toe. Uh, but uh, I'm glad City, uh, glad that City has that uh, toe-to-toe fight with Arsenal. Um, and, uh, look, I-, I can never write City off. Yeah. I'll put it this way the only time I wrote City off was last year when they were down and I thought Bilo are actually going to do it on the final day yeah. for us um, Coutinho magic yeah and I was like okay but um, with that being said it, it, for me it'll rest on what happens in the Champions League in that game against Arsenal if, Arsenal, if City continue in the Champions League and then Arsenal do not lose that game yeah then it's tough then I think City are one step too many away there's too many things aligning against them. Yeah. But I could never write it off. And look, there's one fact that we haven't mentioned. Arsenal haven't been in this position for a very long time. Well, this whole team hasn't. The weight of expectation, the fans, what they want. Arteta, as a manager, has never been in this position. Yeah. He's come from under Pep. Pep's a... Look, I, I love Pep, don't get me wrong, but I think he's a serial bottler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, well, he he what, does what, it in league football, though. That's the thing. Yeah. He knows how to 
win leagues. That's yeah. the difference. I think knockout football, he's worse because he I makes think. one mistake and it's gone. Yeah. But when it's 38 games, he just finds a way. Because and I, and I think for Arsenal, that's the scary part. <laughs> Um, 100% it is, yeah. You've never been in this position. You've got arguably the best Premier League side of all time chasing you down. Yes, they've changed a little bit. Yeah. Yes, there's a debate that had if they are the best Premier League time of all, uh, Premier League side of all time. To be fair, if they win it from here, they probably are. Yeah, 100%. Um, but uh, we're probably the, arguably the greatest manager of all time. If you're Arsenal Football Club never being in this position, I'm telling you the fans, the players, yeah, the manager, the coaching it. staff are bricking it. Yeah. And then if they don't win that game against City... Yeah, that's pressure at City as well. To go to there, he had and get that done. What do you think City need? Like, we've spoken a lot about the defence, and that definitely needs some looking at over in, this in the next run, window. In the run-in or the window? Let's go the run-in. The window's a whole different story because they could go by bloody anybody. But I reckon right here, right now, what's got to change? Uh, first thing, a little bit of luck with injuries. I think they need to stay fit. Yeah. Secondly, for me, the big thing that needs to change is not the system... But you mentioned it. How do I get the best if I'm Pep out of the Bruyne? Yeah. If I get the best out of the Bruyne, we win every 11 game from here on in. Yeah. Because Haaland will finish whatever. And we saw that last year when he had that game against Wolves and just went and scored four. You know what I mean? Like He's got that in him. But we've not seen it. I think Foden has to start every league game. Maris has to start every Champions League game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think Grealish in the form that he's in has got to start on the left. I just think City are missing that little bit of X factor to change a game at times. I think if you're a City fan... You want to see a touch of Julian Alvarez in his last 11 games. I was about to bring him up. I actually think City have looked really good when they've had the two up front. Yeah, I'm thinking Pep won't do it, but I think there's got to be a day at some point in these 11 games where Pep's got to go two up top. Even if it's for half an hour. Yeah. and If something's not working. And put De Bruyne behind him. Yeah. And then have your free midfields even go narrow. Like, I know he did it in the Champions League and it didn't pay at work out, but, but he, he didn't have Harlan up top. And he didn't have Rodri at the base too. And yeah, which was weird. I think Rodri in the base, De Bruyne in the 10, two up top of Alvarez who provides... His movement is wicked. Like, if he, he's starting up front in every other Premier League team right now, I've including got, Liverpool. I've got one other thing. Yeah. There's a player who, if he wants to change, can win in the league. And he's played about 50 minutes this year. <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be good. Could you see a three of Rodri, Gundogan, Phillips? Not right now, but working towards if you're going to have to change the dynamic. Because everyone's not, no one is saying a word about Kevin Phillips this year, and injuries has been the issue. Went to the World Cup and actually looked all right when he played too. If you want to go with that hard third, work yeah. third midfielder, I mean, they've got Bernardo Silva too. Like, but there's options. But I just think. You've got a fifty million pound nuts and bolts, hard tackling, great on the ball, midfielder. Do you go four two three one even and go double pivot, you know, Phillips and Rodri? Like there's just there's different things to explore. Would have loved to have seen him a lot more this year. I would have too, and the injuries I think hurt. I I look, I would love to see it. And I think it gives Pep that extra dimension. And this is the beautiful thing about the City squad, right? As they've always had this depth. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen all about the defensive depth, which we won't touch on too much because um, we've mentioned it to death. Um, I just think without the lack of football, I think Pep will be hesitant in the title race. But I like the idea, personally. Yeah. I think it's something that should be explored if they feel like they're struggling. The thing is, they win, they win easy the other yeah. night. And you know, and you look at him and they go, oh, there's Man City, off you go. Yeah. For me, I just feel like this is a Man City side that has that really bad performance in them, which they realistically yeah. really have. Well, well, what's happened in the past though, like we've seen 
Wolves go and get results, you know, at the Eddie Edmund Traore goes and scores, or um, what's his name, bloody was it Jason Punchin that scored that absolute nah Townsend you know, Townsend that's right scored that absolute screamer at the Eddie Edmund Palace. Like yeah. they, they normally have one or two of these results a year. They've had a few more this yeah, year, and exactly. that's been the difference. Yeah, if it was the city of last uh, year or the city of the year before, this title race would be over. Yeah, well, look, we spoke about it last week though that there's been that drop off yeah. for both Liverpool and City this year because of the intensity, but that's where I think City can use their squad a bit better. So look, I think. Yeah, in order to free up De Bruyne, I feel like if Bernardo's in that midfield, it doesn't allow De Bruyne to be freed up. But I think if you get Phillips fit with Gundogan and Rodri, that's saying we're going to do the leg work, just go and create. And I think it might look like a defensive move because you're taking a creative player in Bernardo out of that midfield three, but I actually think it's a creative move because it frees up your your best player. Yeah. I still think De Bruyne is their best player. Haaland's their best finisher, but I think De Bruyne's their best player. One last thing that's popped into my my tactical head for what City could do is, you mentioned five at the back, and you mentioned Kami, Phillips could go to the three. Well, he can just slot in. Like he leads. Defensively and wing-back wise, they've not been great. Yeah. I can see a world, and this sounds crazy, but I can see a world where there is a day where your wing-backs are Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish. Which if well, City like are going what out, done with Sterling at Chelsea at times. If City are going out to dominate a game and dominate seventy percent of a ball, do you need a defensively minded fullback or just someone that can just get in position? Well, maybe you around? have Walker on one side and then your left side's one. So like Ake can slide into left centre back. Yeah, and then you can have someone just going down that left. Because I and think that could be Phil get... Foden just down the left wing, just yeah. running. Yeah, it's someone that starts a bit deeper but comes into the middle of the part to be an extra midfield number, which you and know, then you can slide into a four, on. or you can slide Rodri or Phillips into the five. I think five. if Pep wanted to overthink it, you could go that way. Well, then Ake can. Well, what what it would be is Foden on the left, say yeah, a left wing back, which left wing back. Weirder. But when with the ball, it's Rodri or it's. If, I mean, it's not going to be Phillips, but if Phillips is somehow playing, yeah. it's one of those two doing what Phillips did at Leeds, and he drops in, and then Ake slides across. Yeah, and then... Phil- and then and Foden's Foden, up the pitch. Foden's past the halfway line. Foden's in line of Haaland. Yeah. You know, so just stretching the game, and then De Bruyne is just going to go, okay, because of that movement, I'm just picking whatever space I want to receive this ball, and off I go. Yeah. And then whoever's on the right-hand side, which is why I would probably go Bernardo Silva instead of Walker, should be on the other side. And realistically, with the ball, that. it's... Uh, Three guys there with a guy in front, and then it's six guys basically going forward. Gone. Which when Who's you watch stop that, which when you watch City anyway, they kind of get in those positions anyhow. I just feel like having that extra defensive support allows for more maybe creativity. a bit more creativity going forward. Which look, we're nitpicking City have only lost four games all year. Yeah, that's how elite they are, and we think they're having a bad year. Yeah. So let us know, guys, where you think or what City need. You've heard some different takes from us here <laughs> because we're just getting to the point where we are trying to critique what's going on. So let us know. Get down. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you get in the comments here. Uh, otherwise, if you're on the podcast, jump over to Pauly29 and get your thoughts in on the video that's going up about Man City. So let's go from titles to quick little touch on uh, top four. We'll start off quickly with Liverpool. Very disappointing. Um, <laughs> tale of two, or you know, in a week, you know, you go from 7-0 win at home and look like the Liverpool of old into... You know, one new at Bournemouth. What the hell's going on? Um, a lot. Uh, uh, look, it's one of those things where football's weird and football's beautiful. And football brings the absolute euphoria and the absolute despair out within moments. And this is the game that we love, and it's for this reason. SI can lose 9-0 at yeah. Anfield. 
and beat you next time they play on. And that's the beauty of football. Well, that's the Premier League, isn't and, it? And, and this is why we watch the greatest league in the world, which, look, I'm Italian, I, I could say the Serie A is the best league in the world, which is not, don't worry, that's a, that's a joke. Yeah. Um, but, and that's why we love the game. It infuriates you at times, and don't worry, I was at a Bucks, and I purposely, when I got to the casino of that Bucks, I I, I said, boys, you guys got to go away, Liverpool <laughs> won, you're down in 15 to go. Yeah. I want to be upstairs when we go and slap three in 15 minutes to see us happen. Yeah. Didn't happen. Um, but, it's the beauty of you can play your rivals and you can yeah, look like the up. best team in world football. A team that looks like could topple Real Madrid, which yeah. sounds crazy. And then you go and watch that performance against Bournemouth and I'm worried that Real Madrid is going to slap us 4 or 5 new at, yeah, at, at the better bow. So uh, uh, it, it sums up Liverpool's year this year. Yeah, we we drop, we drop, it's the Liverpool really old, like Rogers old. Yeah, uh, turn up for the big games. Yeah, drop points against the against West the Brom's teams. and oh, don't West Stokes. Brom. Don't mention West Brom. Um, too much PTSD if they ever get back to the uh, league. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not the end of the Klopp era, but this is the end of this current cycle of players yeah. in the cycle. Which and it is, needs investment. Yeah. We need investment. And like I feel for the midfield because we... Well, actually, we didn't actually really speak about it, did we? Because it happened on Monday. But we spoken privately just about how we do a ticking. But I think it was more about United just once the goals, that avalanche in the second half started, they just heads dropped. And their midfield probably looked better than it was actually going. So yeah. I, I thought our midfield in that second half was bloody unstoppable. But that's probably coupled with a few quick goals and the lack of belief and at Anfield and the crowd just going into eruption because you're spanking Man United. So, yeah, look, I feel for Bajatic, Elliot and Fabinho because that's probably our best three anyway yeah. moving forward. I don't think that the issue... The, they're the scapegoat of this team at the moment. It's not always the midfield and everyone's just going midfield, 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 midfield. Yes, everyone knows it needs investment, it needs depth, it needs quality. Cool. Put it to one side now because it's not going to change between now and August. So, yep. or May, whatever it is when the season finishes. So, that's where I'm at with the midfield. Defensively, making big mistakes. Big mistakes. Huge We're letting mistakes. runners go. We're, you know, and again, it comes from pressure that this defence has not seen before. So, it's a multifaceted issue that can't be rectified with one decision. It's just, you sort them, you know, a couple experienced midfielders out. If you sort the pressing out from up front as well, which is what was happening. So, like, you know, we're not winning the ball as high at the pitch. Pressure comes, defence is then vulnerable, and away we go. So it's three issues are resulting from one. Yeah. Off the ball problem. Like, when we've got the ball, we look good. We we're do. creating chances, and we're not taking them. So that's a whole separate issue, because if you start scoring some of those chances, you then put the pressure back on the other team to come at you, and you get more chances. Like Yeah. So there's two really big problems. We don't take our chances, and then we're not winning the ball back high up the pitch because the players either don't have the legs or they're gassed. So, uh, I, I, I laughed during that because multifaceted, <laughs> that's a, such a great word to describe that because I would have it, it's a snowball effect for people that are not as good at the vocabulary as Paul is. Uh, but it is smack bang on the money. It One issue creates another issue, creates another issue. When you do your coaching course, it's all about you have to solve one footballing problem. Yeah. Then you've got to fix another footballing problem that that issue that you fixed it with sounds like creates, right? Yeah, it sounds like my <laughs> golf swing too. Um, sounds like a lot of things in sport at the minute. However, um, with the problem with Liverpool is there's multiple issues. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get fixed overnight. And it doesn't get fixed by one performance against Manchester United. 
and that's where I actually think that our run home is a benefit for us, which following well, the next three the weeks are wall. massive. Yeah, three massive games, three big games that we'll be up for, and a week off this week too. I honestly think that. Uh, I'm not really a week off. We got Madrid, but yeah, then it's a week but off. yeah, but we get a week off in the prem, which yeah. is a bit of extra rest, and we probably need. Well, we do it. get a full week off first, I think. Yeah, we yeah by the time from we play, the Madrid game, yeah, we get the, the, yeah, we do. I just think. Uh, our run in, which I know sounds crazy when you're saying that it's a tougher run in than probably everybody else, I think that suits us. Oh, 100% it is. Yeah, because so... Because we've shown all year that we get up for the big games. We've beaten City once already this year. Yep. We've smacked United. Yes, we lost at Old Trafford. But Arsenal, what did we do? We only played them once, so we lost to them. But that was yep. a tight game. So I think, you know, Chelsea will be fine. To be fair, Chelsea actually looking a bit better, actually, in the last few weeks. But I would rather us in these games versus the Bournemouths Especially the teams that are fighting. I don't yeah. want to play Forest. I don't want to play Bournemouth. I don't want to play Leicester. I don't want to nah. play West Ham. I don't want to play Everton. Leeds. Leeds, again. Can, yeah. I, can I just say, Paul? We've already lost to Leeds this year. I just need a <laughs> side note. We are going to continue top four. I've just realised the Wolves were third in place on 27. And I know. Bournemouth were on 24 points on the yep. relegation zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look how crazy this is. And Southampton are 22 points. Next episode. <laughs> Relegation special. <laughs> yes. Um, because th- that, that looks incredible. We got the table on the side uh, for those that don't realise. I just had a look at that and went, hang on. I don't want to play any of those teams. No, there's no mid-table anymore. There's <laughs> no, no mid-table. I don't you're either any... fighting for Europe or you're fighting relegation the at the mid, moment. The mid-table right now it's is Villa. Chelsea. <laughs> no, it's Villa. Villa is the mid-table. Yeah. 26, oh, well, I guess Chelsea only two points clear. But you're right. Like Chelsea and Villa are the only two teams there that are mid-table. So. Yeah, but then you look at Brighton on 39 points and all of a sudden you go to Villa and you go get on a run. You, you're in Europe. And that's what. And look, I'm glad I mentioned Brighton because this is a top four chat. This is not a relegation mid-table, you name it. Um, because, look, we can speak to death about Liverpool and what they're going to do. I want to mention Brighton here. They look class. Yeah. They have players that are unreal. Deserby is a manager that puts his, uh, you know, cojones on the line and drops his number one keeper going, you're not good enough. Yeah, you're not doing what I need you to do. And he who looked unreal, to yeah. be fair, with his feet. Well, it's more about the distribution for Deserby. His, his feet looks unbelievable yeah. still as well. And I I'll, think Sanchez will find it hard to get back in. 100% he will. There's one thing I want to mention about Brighton, and then it's going to be me going on my neck saying they're going to finish Champions League, which is a big call. But I think they get there. they got three games in hand on Spurs. Yeah, I know, that's big. They've got a game in hand on Newcastle. They got two games ahead on us, and I'm telling you right now, unless it's Arsenal City, I think they start favourites against anyone around them. The counter argument is I'm trying to slide this across, but it's not quite working. Yeah. So I'm gonna just do that. Is the form like they're finding ways to drop silly points, and they've done it again this weekend, drawing too well with Leeds like that. They need to be finishing those games off. Like, it's all well and good to have the games in hand, but Brighton are a team that need the points. Yeah, correct. Because, again, similar... We've had this chat with Arsenal. If you haven't seen that, go and uh, click on that video if you're watching on, on YouTube here. They need to make sure that some of these games against the real bottom sides, they're burying because they've been drawing... They're not losing, yep. but they're drawing silly games when they're in winning positions. And I think that stems from the Welbeck-Ferguson stuff that we spoke about last podcast that you can have Matoma and McAllister and March buzzing around, but they're lacking that I'm going to drag us out with a, you know, back to goal, boom, boom, bang. Like, there's just a moment. Yep. The Brighton goals are coming from real intricate play on the break. Could, all good, but there's just sometimes you've got to just nut a goal out and they're not getting it. Could you imagine Brighton going and signing a nine in the summer? Which oh, that'd be unstoppable. Yeah, because <laughs> that's scary. 
By the way, Solly March and McAllister gets his, uh, you know, his praise because he's a World Cup winner. Right? But Solly March, Matoma, uh, everyone's yeah. praising Matoma at the minute. Um, but you know, Estupian, uh, Lewis Dunk is incredible. Yeah. Right? That Brighton side, you think it? Oh, it's Brighton. These guys are ballers. Like these guys. Budget ballers, mate. As well. <laughs> it's money ball. Yeah, it's money ball. I love it. It's it, it's absolutely outrageous what they're doing, and I love it to bits. Every one of those guys you just mentioned, I think anyone that finishes top four would look at them and go, yeah, yeah. we need them. But why would you leave Brighton right now? Well, and, ask Basuma and Cucurella. If they add them still as well. Yeah. But the thing is, they sell them on and they've already got the replacement in place. That's what I love about them. Yeah. Which is why I think they've got to sign a nine that's going to fit them to a T. Well, that's why I think Ferguson... I actually think Ferguson will be that nine. He's a very... He's, a kid he's only well. 18, 19, but he's a very good finisher. And he gets in good positions and he actually suits the style. Welbeck did score a nice goal last week. I'll give him that. But he's not a long term. We know that. He, yeah. His role is to just be there. Yeah. But look, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But Brighton are the team that are currently outside the four that I'll probably go are the ones that are the most likely because they do have a lot of games in hand. You know, granted, they got two on Liverpool and they're only, what's that, three points behind. So, or four points behind. So, um, no, three points behind. So, it's theirs to lose, really. Like, realistically, top four's in their hands. They're not... Yeah, they are in the FA Cup still. Um, with a, they're having a great year. They're having a great year. And they're a great side. And I want them to do well. I want them to win the FA Cup. That would be fantastic. Which would hurt Brian. their top four prospects. Yeah, it's only a few extra games, though. I, I reckon Brighton's that sort of side where you know they're not rotating too much. Yeah. The, the FA Cup could be a detriment. I think they personally, because I'm just from when I watch them, they look that incredible. I think they make the four. However, if they finish fifth and they made an FA Cup semi-final, they're, they're over the moon. If they finish sixth, I think there's a world where Brighton are playing at a minimum in Europa League football. Yeah. And that could also be by winning the FA Cup, which I think that Brighton, that sort of side, that no one wants to play. Yeah. And the only thing they're lacking is a nine, really. Like, the rest of their squad's there. You know, Lamptey's not really played much this year, too. You can add that as a bit of an extra carrot next season to go with a Stupian. Like, you don't want to be facing those two running at you no. from deep. And midfield-wise, they're rock solid as well. No one talks about gross. You know, he had that spell as a fantasy asset. Now he's actually dropped a bit deeper, and he's Looked really unreal. good next to Caicedo as, yeah. a, as a, a double pivot. They finally got McAllister in the 10, which we've been screaming for for ages. And again, depth is yeah. the key. But when you make Europe... You're going to get depth. Yeah. So And they'll pick the right players. And they're the sort of guy... They're, they're getting to that sort of stage now, which is the good thing for the league and a good thing for Brighton, is they can start looking at what... To a lesser extent, what Liverpool did and what uh, Arsenal have done, picking those... Not the top tier of player, the tier below. Yeah. If they start picking those right players, which they've done throughout their whole time, going, you know, need to get this guy, money ball, whatever. If they go and go, all right, who's coming out of the league or who's in the league that I think really suits us and can fit us down to a, a T, and we've got the money to spend, they're going to be really good. Yeah. It's that little bit of depth. And they have that depth. Yeah, they they're going to be They're going to be scary next year. So let's move on to a side that I think has a really good chance at making the four. Got a nice 2-1 win this morning as well, and actually looked very different to how they've been playing, and that's Newcastle, because we spoke about Newcastle last week and said, getting stale, not scoring goals... Where's it going to come from? Wilson gets dropped. Almiron gets dropped. St. Max starts. Isaac starts. Isaac gets a nice goal this morning off a good ball from Trippier. Yep. But the key is, Almiron comes on and also scores the winner. Does that maybe fire him up a little bit to go, mate, you're not in my, not in my plans, but right now your form's not guaranteeing you a 
place like it did pre-World Cup. Dropping Wilson's a statement. Yep. Because we've said how they're going to get Wilson and Isaac together. Maybe that's not the plan. Maybe the plan is I want the guy that's in the best form. So I actually think they're positive signs for Newcastle. I think so too. They're also missing Joe Linton at the moment, who's probably going to actually transition now back more into the midfield verse, playing out on the left wing. Because they've got St. Max. Uh, I don't know who came on for him. I think Willock might have come yeah, on for did. him. But um, I don't think we'll see much of Joe Linton out on that left-hand side anymore, which is the best thing for Newcastle because you can have Longstaff, Gamarias and Joe Linton as your three. You're going to yep. be fine with that. Do I think they're going to make it? Probably not at this stage. I've got Brighton and Liverpool probably ahead of Newcastle in regards to making the four. Two but, in hand on Spurs, though. Yeah, and that too. But I just think long term they're going to struggle they start, they're defensively not the, the, as solid as they were like they're conceding a lot more goals too if the, the question is does Isaac stay fit and does St. Max stay fit if those two can stay fit which they've shown for many many years that they can't wish they did but for the sake of 10 games 11 games whatever it is they've got left 12 oh 12 they've got a bit more extra can they stay fit can they play 10 of those 12 if they can, then I see a world where Newcastle make the four. Agreed. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I like the lineup they had this morning. I still think there's going to be a time where we're going to see a Wilson, Isaac, St. Max, followed by someone else on the other side, Anthony Gordon, people ever mentioned, mm. um, as well, uh, if he ever gets his... Did he start? Uh, did he start this morning? Good question. I can't remember now. I'll have a look. You keep going. Um, but look, I think there's enough there for them in terms of depth. And I think defensively, I feel like they're doing a bit of what City did, done throughout most of the year, which is conceding really silly goals with not much XG. Yeah. Right? Where if they go back to what they were doing previously and they start finding some clean sheets, I think they make the four as well. Um, which shows, shows kind of how much faith I think I have in uh, Spurs and maybe how much faith I have in United, but I am wearing a Liverpool jumper, so maybe I'm being slightly biased there too. Uh, but look, I think Newcastle, with the two games in hand, the squad they have, and the manager, because yeah. I think Eddie Howe is an absolutely incredible manager. I think there was a world where I was calling for Eddie Howe to probably be in charge of Arsenal, um, where I mean, Arteta was struggling. I think they can make the four, but they need a return to keeping clean sheet score. Yeah. So Gordon wasn't in the squad at all, but he wasn't also listed as injured or suspended. So um, we... uh, he played the week before and he started. I don't know if yeah, he was at 100%, 100% fit yeah, or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, is what it is. He only played 60 minutes. I think he might have come off injured against City. He must have. Anyway, so that's Newcastle for me. Yeah, same thing. Like, if they can just find a way to tick. But, yeah, it's interesting because the dynamics going to have to change. Yeah. But maybe that's what they need because I feel like it's got a bit stale. Um, and Trippy is just doing what he does best. That is correct. And then that leaves us, what, Man United or Spurs? Which one do you want mm, first? Let's get Spurs out of the way. Uh, they're a bit funny at the minute. Good but win. A great win. Um, oh, there's a lot of noise coming out about Conte. And there's a lot of noise coming out about Richarlison and Conte. And well, Richarlison looked bloody good too, to be fair. Yeah, I think Conte's trying to fire him up, which is a hallmark of good manager. Yeah. I just, I, I think there's just there's so much noise. The game, they're a team that has no games in hand. Um, and Nothing else to play for now though oh, but I just look at Spurs And I go Where they're going to concede from Where they're going to bottle it from Unless Harry Kane's scoring Two goals a game Yeah Because they're always going to concede What's happening And look to be fair Kane's the This is the Kane factor here Kane could drag him To the top four By himself Yeah If he goes big In the last 11 games That they play But I see a world Where they concede Most chances And then Kane, it all takes is one bad day from Kane. Son's not been the same player as he has been throughout. Richarlison's looked good. 
probably they're arguably their best winger. Yeah. The midfields look very whatever. Yeah, not great. Now oh, no Bentoncourt as well. I think my big thing for Spurs is that I think there's a world where they finish more sixth or seventh than they do finish fourth. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Because the goals have been the problem too. Like They're not scoring nowhere near as many as they have in the past. I just get a bad vibe, really. Kulisevsky's been in and out. Pasuma's not really playing. They've gone and signed Pedro Poro, but for what? Yeah, Royale's still starting, so it's a bit weird. I don't know. It's a weird situation. It's not a great one. I wouldn't want to be at training. No, uh, and it feels very off for a team that could finish fourth. I think they always expect to do better than what they do. I think this is about their level. Conte's obviously been crying out for investment. Yeah, ha- hasn't got the right investment. Yeah. I would say haven't gone got you know all nailed and gelled. Yeah. Doesn't look like. Um, and then you had the news coming out that there is rumours that Conte may walk out the door and uh, good old Ange Postacoglu has been linked with the job. No, which, already, uh, he already um, said no to it. And uh, thank God he did because I, for, from an Australian point of view, I think walking to the Spurs job is a death trap. Yeah, I think sure. it just sets you up for failure because Levy promises one thing, does another. Um, I worry for Spurs. I worry that if this is a year where they don't finish in the four and then they have another really barren year, which I think is more likely next year, yeah. without the big investment, this could be the time where you see... It fall to the wayside. Kane will probably make his way out as well, I think. He's missed his opportunity, Kane, to go to a... Uh, mm, I think there's one more. To go to Man City, which nah, should have been the one. I think he'll go to the rivals, which... Uh, United? Mm-hmm. I think United... I think let's transition to United. They're lacking a nine. They are, <sighs> Rashford looks so much better off the left. Good segue. I think if Manchester United next year get Harry Kane... Imagine that. Kane, Rashford, Bruno. Does Ten Hag want Harry Kane? I think he's a Ten Hag striker. Is he going to press enough? I don't think that's going to be... I think he could, but his role will be more to be that same deep... Because like, it's like the same with Weghorst. Like, it's not... Like, I know they want to press from the front. Kane can press. He just doesn't do it for Spurs. He can press. We've seen it for England. Yeah, that's he, true. He can chase people down. He drops so deep as well, which allows Rashford to get in behind, and obviously uh, whoever plays on the right hand side for them, yeah. which is like Whether scary. Sancho or Anthony, look, uh, to and then Bruno doing the, the leg work too. You can tell that we're yeah, Liverpool supporters when uh, when we talk about United in high esteem, can't you? I, I love watching United play. To be fair, uh, when they're buzzing, I think Ten Hag's yeah. fantastic. Um, and I, I'm waiting for a day in my lifetime where it's back to being United. Liverpool was the top two, and having the the historical title race, so yeah. to say. Um, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see Harry Kane just leave Spurs. Because I actually think if Harry Kane leaves Spurs, they fall by the wayside. Yeah, they're they're going to be in mid-table side and Brighton going to jump them and Chelsea will be back one day and you name it, right? And I think they'll go into real big trouble. Yeah. I think United sign Kane, United will be around the mark next year. Yeah, 100%. I'd agree with that. That's what they're lacking. They're lacking that true number nine. Not just, And I know we slapped them seven or two weeks ago, which I think is a massive outlier. Not around the mark to finish top four. I mean around the mark to fight City and to uh, fight uh, fight City, fight Arsenal. City, uh, sorry, fight City, fight Arsenal, maybe fight Liverpool for a return if we get some investment yeah. as well, which I think will be another year away before we really challenge. Which makes me go United need to finish in the four. Yeah. And I think United will finish in the four. I do see a world where United can slip out the four as well. This could go really wrong. Well, there's one big factor right now that's, probably going to allude to that and it's just come through the discord as well so if you haven't joined the discord links in the in the description either on the podcast or the youtube video but casemiro's red card we saw the impact that that had against arsenal he's now gone and got a straight red with an extended uh suspension because it's another big it's another red card so then he gets it gets like a 
double the uh, bands. Yeah, like so four it's four games, four games yeah. on which is huge. Four league games for Man United is absolutely massive. I'm just going to pull up their fixtures for the next few. So you're looking at Newcastle, Newcastle, Brentford, Everton, Forest. I don't want to be playing Everton or Forest right now because they're fighting for their life. And Forest at Forest as well, which they're a different team at Forest than they're a different team when they are away. And then comes back for Chelsea Spurs without having played for a month. Big games. (laughs) That could shape the season. For me, it's in United's hands and they do have Champions League as well, right? So uh, Europa League. Europa League, sorry, Betis, apologies. Uh, no dig at me and United. Um, but I think they would definitely prioritise a top four finish. I think Ten Hag would too. Yeah, 100%. And look, it's hard being a Liverpool fan, but I, I think that if United are going to finish in the four, it's third more than fourth. If I think it's either third or they finish fifth or sixth. Yeah. I think they're either completely full off. Or the, hold on. Yeah, or they hold on in the third. Um I think then if you're going to predict your four, and this is where it gets difficult, I think it's Arsenal, City, Man United. And then for me, uh, depends on Newcastle. I think Spurs finish seventh. Yeah. And then it's going to be Liverpool, Brighton that jump in. Yeah. Um, look, I, I might go out here. And I, I think it's a good thing if we don't do it. I actually think Brighton will be the team from what I've seen that finish in the fourth spot. Which, Brighton next year, Champions League. No, I'd be mental. I'm so for it. That'd be mental. I'm so for it. Destination Club, Brighton. Look, I'm probably of the same opinion, to be fair. I think United will figure out a way to make sure that they're not dropping out. I don't see a world where Spurs... I see a world where Newcastle do, but again, I don't think they're going to... like. They've played a lot of football this year too, um, all the way to the Carabao Cup final, and they're probably lucky they're not in the FA Cup at this point. But, yeah, you're looking at Liverpool and Brighton, and just, Liverpool aren't showing that they can maintain it. That's the problem for me. Like, I, I'd rather back Brighton because they're not losing. Like, I mean, they've lost only one less game than Liverpool, Like, they, but they've got two games in hand. So, you know, it's a bit, how you doing? So, look, if I'm backing either Liverpool or Brighton, you'd be silly not to back Brighton, I think, at I this think point. so too, with the game in hands, and that's massive. They've got three games in hands on Spurs. And this is where I think Spurs are in a really interesting position. And my, my prediction is, is that United finish third, Brighton or Liverpool finish fourth with Newcastle in uh, fifth or sixth, depends on how you word, word that. And then if Spurs finish seventh, I think United then sign Kane, as you mentioned. Yeah. Right? And then for me, after finishing seventh, who's going to go to Spurs? They probably sat Conte as well. Yeah, it's Who a whole new project. Who do they bring in? Does Poch come back? No, you can't get Poch back after the so way they treated him. I think if Spurs drop to where I think they were and if they lose Kane, Start they spiraling. are going to be at the end of that cycle and they won nothing for it. And yep. it could be a long while for them to jump back up. Where Brighton on the up. Newcastle are going to remind me a bit of Leicester. Yeah. Trying to get into the four, get into the four, get into the four. We might see a bit of that from them. The only reason why I can't rule out Liverpool is not biased for us. It's the big games that we have. I can see a world where we win all three because it's just three big games. We know that it's on the line. And we and Hendo's in and Fabinho's in and Verge turns on. and yeah, Nunes and Gakbo and Salah do their thing. Like there's, On paper... It should be Liverpool, but the performances aren't there. Yeah, so that's why Brighton, for me, sneaks in. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. So if you enjoyed that little chat there, guys, make sure you get over. If you're not watching on YouTube, get over on YouTube. get to see us actually have it in the flesh. If you are here on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, um, because there's going to be a lot more clips. And if you're on YouTube and you want to listen to the full discussion, get down in the description because you can listen to it over on Spotify and Apple Podcast. We'll catch you soon on YouTube. Anyway. Yeah. We got... I think we kind of touched on Dim's question here about are there any weaknesses in Arsenal's side. I think we'll probably push that. We sort of said that at the start anyway. 
I think they, they said they need a six. Yeah. He's probably the predominant one that they need in particular. But I'm excited for this run-in. I'm excited for next week. If you're excited for next week's episode, get in and make sure you share it around because we're doing a relegation special because <laughs> the situation next week is going to look very different. It will. Some teams are playing in the FA Cup. Some aren't. Games in hand are going to be down the bottom as well. There's going to be lots happening. I am so excited to unpack what this run-in is going to look like. So we've started with the top because it's a bit more concrete. That's not going to change as much. One result down the bottom. West Ham getting a win or Leicester getting a win. Like Who would have thought Leicester were down in 16th? I didn't think their form was that bad. Could you imagine if Leicester get relegated? From... Nearly making Champions League the last three years to relegation. And then, like, pre-World Cup were, like, one of the most solid defences for about five weeks as well. Like lead up. They, they threw away the defensive malice, and then here they come. Yeah, it's going to be mental. I've got predictions for that, but we'll wait we'll a week it. because it's and a Who would have thought Wolves would be almost mid-table? You know, they were, like, rock bottom before Man, getting um, Lopetegui. They're two results from being in the, in the relegation zone. That's, <laughs> That's so crazy. And they've got team below them that have game in hand. And Southampton are getting results too. Like, Wolves don't play... Leicester win their game in hand. West Ham win their game in hand. Bournemouth win their game in hand. They're all on the same amount of points. Uh, Forest then draw. We've got five teams on 27 points. Five. And that's and only Everton three to four points outside the relegation zone. That is mental. With one of them being in and the relegation Crystal Palace zone. are on 27 as well. <laughs> it's mental. <laughs> it's so mental. make sure you share the pod around, guys. Get the... Get the movement happening for us. If you are listening over on Spotify or Podcast, get it moving. If you are on YouTube, make sure you... Come over and listen to the full episode again. As we've said, look, we're we're back and firing and this run into the season is going to be absolutely mental. So I cannot wait to unpack everything again, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Monday, I'm not sure yet. We've got to try and figure out what we can do with regards to timings and things like that. But there will be some discussion happening around relegation next week. It'll be a big episode and big big podcast. So I can't wait. Dane, thanks for dropping by once again. Uh, always, anytime there, Paulie, and uh, thank you for having me. There we go. And listeners, make sure, if you haven't already, get in the Discord to get amongst the community, and we'll go from there. So we'll see you guys next week for a very, very big episode.